Welcome to American Indian Living, a program developed by the Native Education and Health Initiative to improve and enhance the health of people throughout the Native communities. American Indian Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he's ready today to help you learn more about your health. Here's Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We're recording another show from the venue of the National Congress of American Indians in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It is the fall of 2017. We have been meeting with people who are active in Indian country, really, from throughout the country, lower 48, up into Alaska, and uh, it's been exciting, rubbing shoulders with so many diverse individuals. Across from me is someone who is based in a state that we have not featured, uh, I don't believe, at least not on this set of interviews, someone from the state of Michigan. Her name is Diana Inman. Diana, it's great to have you with us. Thank you. Diana, you are representing a group that has a large presence here at NCAI. You're representing Native Ministries of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. You're a worker for that group in Michigan. You have a very interesting background because, first of all, you're not Native, right? Correct. But you're married to someone who has Native blood. Yes, And you told a group of us in a meeting yesterday that I was attending that for, oh, many, many years into your childhood, you can remember, having a special interest in Indian country. I did, for a long time. And more recently, you've taken that interest and tried to make a difference in First Nation peoples. Tell us how that all came about. Well, since my interest in and Native peoples, I was praying one day that God would send someone to help in some various areas that I knew maybe needed some, a little push now and then or something, or just some hope. I guess it was hope. Mm -hmm. And I didn't pray every day about it, but occasionally. And then one day it was as if God spoke to me personally and said, you do it. And At that point, I knew I hadn't heard what I thought I heard, and uh, I continued to pray. And a couple months later, or it was a couple of weeks later, it again came to me, you do it. Mm. And I had no idea what to do, but I I remember saying to God, I was just joking. And then I knew I couldn't joke with God like that. And if he was calling me to do something, I needed to do it. And so I, I agreed to do it. I told God I would do it. But as I said, I had no idea what to do. So I heard a little bit uh, more of the story yesterday, and I know you're trying to be succinct because you realize we've got, you know, a clock that's running all the time on the radio. But if I understood the setting correctly, you live fairly close to a reservation. Is that yes, right? Yes, correct. And you had a special interest in the folks there on that reservation. For I whatever did. reason, you thought there was some need for more hope and more help in that tribal community, right? Right. So... I got this picture. You're praying to the Creator. He seems to put his hand on your shoulder, saying that even though you're not Native, he wants you to try to make a difference with this group of First Nation peoples in your backyard. Well, it's one thing to say you've got an assignment, but it's another thing to actually engage with that community. Where did things go from there? I began visiting the little country church. There were probably... um 
25 maybe members who attended the Indian church. And I, I just wanted to be friends with them. So this was a church on the reservation? Yes. And this was a non-denominational church? Correct. Okay. So it's a non-denominational Christian church on the reservation. And you decide, if I'm going to make a difference in the lives of Native peoples, I need to start getting acquainted with Native peoples. Is That's that true. to say? That's correct. Yes. Okay. So you start going to this little church, 25 people, now, now 26 because you're attending. Right. And what happened there? Not a whole lot. I was always welcomed, but of course, you know, there's the little standoffish feeling that I got because I I knew they thought I was up to something, which maybe I was. But uh, anyway, um, I just kept attending. Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. every couple of months I would drop in on Sunday morning and okay. and worship with them. So, I mean, it's understandable for those... Uh, who, you know, frequent this show, listen on a regular basis. And even if they don't, there is a lot of uh, warranted skepticism when someone who's not Native starts finding themselves in social situations with First Nation peoples. There's questions, you know, what is this person interested in? But you were just there as a fellow worshiper and just, I'm assuming, being your friendly self in those contexts. I tried to be my friendly self, yes. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes, believe it or not, I get intimidated and I'm not too outgoing. But <laughs> Okay, fair enough. That can happen to any of us. So, Diana, I mean, this may sound interesting to some people, but it doesn't really particularly sound like it's going anywhere. Did it go anywhere? It did. I decided if I was going to bring hope to people, I needed to bring them information hmm. that they might not have about how I felt about the Creator, how the Creator loves us, and He doesn't wish bad for anybody. Mm-hmm. And I'm aware of some wonderful Native American Bible studies mm-hmm. called Native New Day that I thought, well, I will offer these, but then I didn't know who to offer them to. So I ran a little ad in the local paper that just said, Native Americans, are you interested in knowing more about the Creator? Okay. And then I gave my address. And I got a couple of uh, replies from that, signed people up for the Native New Day course. And uh, that was it for a couple of months. I I didn't get much more going. Some who have heard the show before have heard me interview Monty Church. Monty is Native. He is the originator of the Native New Day Bible studies. And he has this very interesting way, I would say, of helping people see what is often not seen in Christianity. Oftentimes in Native circles, Christianity is seen as a religion of oppression, and understandably so because people who were taking the name of Christian were among those who came to this continent and uh, did things that I would say from uh, Monty's presentation of the Bible were very unchristian. True. And I think Monty is on target. Uh, Like I mentioned, He and I have not only visited personally, but he's been on the radio show. So he's showing how a person could be truly Native and actually embrace principles that are truly Christian. And for a Native to think Christianity is somehow out of harmony with their traditional beliefs, they really don't know true Christianity. So you got a hold of these studies. I did. And had you known about these for years or when you got interested in Native American uh, things you started looking or was this on your radar screen already? 
No, it was on my screen already. I've known okay. about it for years, and there was one picture that I always, that I fell in love with years ago, and it's about the second coming of Jesus. Mm. And it has a picture of uh, probably a husband and wife and a child with their arms upraised with Jesus coming back and a Alaskan in his kayak. And that picture, it just uh, overwhelmed me the first time I saw it. And that was years ago. So it was a picture of indigenous peoples right. welcoming the, the returning creator. Right. So you've got these resources. You've got these Bible studies. And again, although they may that may sound a little strange to some people, we've talked about how these are, are written in a culturally sensitive way. Mm-hmm. And so you've got these studies. You start advertising the paper. A few people are contacting you. I'll be honest with you, Diana, some people listening, they might be quite underwhelmed because they say, well, what? why are you featuring this on the radio? What kind of impact is this making? But we're going to learn, as I learned yesterday, the impact starts to broaden. What was it that did that? I heard about a couple of Native men who were in prison. Hmm. And I thought that that was maybe a venue I should check out as far as sharing these lessons. And so there is a website that I got on that will give me addresses and information of the race of different people. And all you really needed was a last name. And so I looked up their name, and sure enough, there was their prison number and whatever. So I sent a, just a greeting card just saying, hi, you know, you're being thought of. And in that, I put an application or an enrollment card to take these Native Bible studies, the Native mm-hmm. New Day. And... From there, it just uh, progressed, and more and more people from prison were beginning to take the lessons. Then I branched out into the women's prison, and there's just mostly in Michigan, but anywhere that anybody wants to take these lessons is fine. So let me see if I've got the picture. You come across some kind of a database where you can find out which prisoners have Native American roots or identify themselves as Native American. Correct. And you see those names. You actually write some kind of a card for them. Yes. That you're being thought of, and you send them an invitation for this Bible study. Correct. Native New Day Bible study. Mm -hmm. How many people would you guess? I'm sure you're not keeping some kind of exact count. So how many people have you sent these invitations to? Probably 800 to 1,000. 800 to 1,000. How many have actually responded, roughly? At least a couple of hundred. Really? A couple hundred? But I left out a little bit. Uh I forgot the jail story first, and that's where it started. Then it moved to prison. Um, So before you started doing all these mailings, you actually had another connection with the Native American jail population. Yes. So for those who are not real familiar with the process of incarceration. What's the difference between jail and prison? Jail, even though you are going to prison, is temporary. Usually, in my state anyway, in Michigan, I believe you can be held for up to a year in jail while Mm -hmm. you're waiting your sentencing. Okay. And then you will either be released or go into prison. Okay. So prison, a long-term facility. Jail, a shorter-term facility. And you actually started making some inroads in the jail system before all this uh, mailing out to prisoners. Let me do this. Before we do that, I'm still trying to get a scope here. We know where we want to go. I know where I want to go in our next segment. I want to hear about this story 
of how you got involved in the jail system there, at least maybe a local county jail. Is that safe to say? It was. But I'm just intrigued because you told me you sent out maybe 800 or 1,000 of these cards and invitations to join the Native New Day Bible study, and you got some 200 people who responded to those. The reason you wanted to segue to the jail is some of these interests have come from the jail. Some of those did, yes. Okay. But what happens, you know, in the jail and prison systems, people come and go. Right, right, right. In the jail system, frequently. Prison, Uh not so frequently. Okay. But um, some respond, and they go through one or two lessons, and then they stop. Mm -hmm. Others go a few more and stop. Others never respond at all. Once you send a lesson, they don't respond or send send the um, questionnaire back with it. Um, So they're what we call a correspondence course. It is, yes. So someone will get a lesson or two. They'll read the lesson, they'll fill out some questions and send those back to you to grade. Is that how it works? Yes. And then when you get uh, the lessons that they responded to, you will send with maybe their corrected... Their corrected papers Uh back with the next two lessons. Okay, I got the process. Okay. The name of the Bible studies, Native New Day. Someone's listening today, Diana. They've been tuning into the show And they're saying, boy, these sound like a resource I'd like to take a look at. Are you their best point of contact, or do you refer people to some other place as far as getting the Native New Day studies and enrolling in a course? They can contact me to enroll in the course, or they can contact Voice of Prophecy in Colorado. So how would someone get a hold of you if they're interested in getting some of these lessons? Well, you can contact me at my email, which is G-M-A-D-I-D-I at yahoo.com. Okay, so G-M-A, like Good Morning America. Yeah. D-I-D-I, like D-D, at yahoo.com. Yes. And is that why? Are you connected with Good Morning America as well? No, not really. (laughs) Okay. Although I do wish America good mornings every day. <laughs> okay. Okay. So G-M-A-D-I-D-I at Yahoo.com if you're looking at getting some of the uh, Native New Day studies. And if you know of someone in the prison system or in a jail, is it safe for them to contact you and uh, actually give some contact information? You'll mail it out to someone in California or Florida? Far as the stamp will take it. Far as the stamp will take it. Listen, we got more coming back on American Indian Living with... The very same guest sitting across from me, whose name is Diana Inman, she's telling about things that anybody can do, whether they're native or not, to make a difference in Indian country. A lot more to come. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. This is Betty White. I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen. High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke. And you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it, but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked, and you can treat it if it is too high. So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out. 
For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. Emergency medical unit, respond to 102 Maple Avenue, possible stroke victim. When stroke occurs, you have 60 minutes to win or lose the race of your life. There are new treatments, but you must get to a hospital fast. If you suddenly feel weakness on one side, have trouble speaking, walking, or seeing, it could be a stroke. Call 911. Get to a hospital. Because how you spend the next 60 minutes could determine how you spend the rest of your life. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders in Stroke. If you receive disability benefits, keeping Social Security informed is key. Keeping us informed minimizes the chance that we learn about something later that could negatively affect your benefits. That's the surprise no one wants because it creates overpayments that you must repay, disrupts payments, and can even jeopardize your entitlement to Social Security benefits. Learn more about reporting responsibilities for people working and receiving disability or SSI benefits by reading our online publications, Working While Disabled, How We Can Help, and How Work Affects Your Benefits at www.socialsecurity.gov pubs. Some changes can be reported online at www.socialsecurity.gov. You can also notify us at 1-800-772-1213 or contact your local Social Security office. Our goal at Social Security is to pay you the right amount on time every month. With your cooperation to keep us informed of changes, the likelihood of any unpleasant surprises that could derail your benefits will be greatly minimized. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You're back with Dr. David DeRose for our second segment of today's edition of American Indian Living. With me in the exhibit hall here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, is Diana Inman. She is someone who has traveled to this venue from not all that far away, the state of Michigan. Those of you that know your geography, Michigan is not all that far from Wisconsin. And since I'm talking geography, how long did it take you to get here? Six hours. Six hours. So you drove. I drove. So drove around uh, Lake Michigan, no doubt. Mm -hmm. Came here to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And Diana has been sharing with us something that inspired a group of people yesterday. I was at a gathering of uh, Native and non-Native individuals who are trying to make a, a difference in Indian country. And Diana shared some of her story, what she was doing. And a lot of individuals were looking at what Diana was doing as a way that anybody, whether they're Native or non-Native, can make a difference. Just this idea of making yourself available, of uh, connecting with Native people that are right in your backyard. And so you were telling us about that in the first segment, how you started attending a little Native church, how you started reaching out to Native prisoners in the prison system. But you told us in this segment, or at least I deferred it to this segment, you wanted to tell us, about some of how you got involved with the jail uh, population there in the county in which you live in Michigan. So tell us that story. Actually, it wasn't the county I live in. Oh, okay. Well, thanks for <laughs> keeping me straight. I uh, had attended a camp meeting. Okay. About halfway up the state. Mm -hmm. And my sister had gone with me, and she needed to go home early before the camp meeting was over. So as I left there... Took her home, headed back the next morning. I was impressed as I drove past the jail that I should stop there on my way home on Sunday and offer some of the materials that I had, which were Native New Day Bible lessons mm -hmm. and the American Indian Living magazines. 
So I thought that sounded real exciting. And so on Sunday morning, I packed the car, headed home, and was all excited about stopping at the jail. And the closer I got, the more nervous I got. Mm. And as I got, like, probably within a half mile, I just stepped on the gas and flew right on past. So, so well, let me see. <laughs> let me see if I got this chronology. Yeah. So you, going to the camp meeting, you passed this jail. Yes. And you got this idea in your mind that you've got to stop by this jail and, and offer them Bible studies when you make your trip back home. Right. So the whole time you're at the camp meeting, you've got this goal in mind that on the way home, you're going to stop at the jail. Yeah, and I'm excited about it. And you're excited, but you drove right by the jail. I got unexcited real quick, going and got close. <laughs> okay. So this is going to be a cold call, right? It no was one going knows to be a cold coming. call. Nobody knew I was coming. So I went a couple of blocks, and then, I again, I got the distinct thought impression that I needed to go back. So I got in the parking lot, and then I tried to talk myself out of it again. I just tried to talk. You know, every every possible reason why I didn't really need to go in there. Hmm. And finally, I just thought, don't be so crazy. Just get out and go. Well, okay. the, But then there was this other door, and then I had to go in. So I went in, and then there's this just dark glass and nobody in sight. And the voice just says, can I help you? And I said, yes. I was just wondering if you have a library here for inmates, because I have American Indian Living magazines I'd like to leave off for the library. And I was told that everything had to go through the chaplain, and he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's okay. Can I just leave the materials? Well, he might not want them. I said, that's okay, too. Can I just leave the materials? And he says, well, you won't get them back. That's okay. Can I just leave it? Okay. He said, just put it in the drawer and send it in. So I did. And then it was just a few days later. I got a call from the chaplain, Mm -hmm. and he was excited, said he had never seen materials like that before and didn't know they existed, and that often he got Native Americans uh, through his system there because he did live near a reservation also. Mm -hmm. And so from there, we made a good agreement. He asked me if he could get some of the materials for Bible studies and also the magazines. So originally you just left the magazine, not the Bible studies, or did you leave both? I left an enrollment card. Where oh, you could okay. apply for the Bible study. Okay, yeah. so he saw that. He made he that saw connection. That, right. Made the connection. So now you're going to come back, is that right, and bring magazines and Bible studies? Nope. There again, I use the mail. Okay. So how far? <laughs> it's is about it? an hour and a half from my house. An hour and a half. Okay. Yeah. So basically, you know, a lot of people listening, they're saying they would love to give back to their own people. They're native, but they're not close to a tribal community. Maybe they're living in an urban area. Maybe they're in a very rural setting. They don't have a lot of contact with other Native Americans. But what I hear you talking about, Diana, is something that doesn't require a geographical presence. No. You can actually do a lot of this through the mail, what you're doing. Correct. Okay. so you've... I would say about uh-huh. 85% of what I do is through the mail. Okay. So you've got a relationship developing with a county jail, not in the county in which you live, some one and a half hours from where you live. So you send off the American Indian Living magazines and the Native New Day Bible studies. Is that right? Yes, and more enrollment cards. Okay, and what happens from there? The chaplain got lots of people signed up. Oh, really? Uh, Okay. Right. Uh, But like I said, jail is Mm short-term. So some of them – actually, there's several who have continued the studies after they were released from jail and went back home. Uh, not so much with some of the others. They just t- they just do the lessons while they're there, uh-huh, uh-huh. and then once they get out, they 
evidently get sidetracked doing other things again. Okay, and fair so, enough. You know, so they don't continue. But that doesn't matter to me. What matters is that they got a contact from somebody that cared that they were there. Uh-huh. Anyway, it continued from there. He, uh, Chaplin wrote me a note one day, and he said that those materials that I had placed in his jail with him were doing more good in six months than he had done in six years. He actually said that <laughs> to you. He actually said that to me. And I, I was amazed that he said that to me, but he did. I mean, this is remarkable. So here you are now. Just to put this all in context, you work with an organization that's called Native Ministries. Seventh-day Adventist Church. Right. Are you a licensed pastor or minister? No. Okay. Do you have some kind of formal ministerial training? No. You're just interested in helping people. Is that safe to say? Yes. And you're just sharing resources that have been developed by Native Americans for Native Americans. Yes, and I advertise them as much when I'm telling people about them. You know. And the Native people, many of them going through the jail and prison system, are getting excited about these studies. Correct. What kind of contact have you had with the inmates as far as the impact of these resources on them? Do you ever hear anything from them? I get lots of notes. Mm-hmm. And, and what kind of and things do you hear? sometimes long letters. Just oh, really? That it makes such a difference to know that somebody cares that they're even there in prison and that the things they've learned about the Creator have made a really big impact on their lives. Wow. And they expect that when they get out, they will continue on that path and share it with other people. And many of them are even sharing now in prison because, you know, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people in prison in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And I would be willing to guess there's at least a couple thousand of natives. Uh-huh. And they are sharing with each other and sending me their friends' contact information so that they can start the studies too. Now, of course, you're not... Uh requiring demographic identification. Someone who's not Native could request these studies as well, of course, oh, right? right. Do you have a feel for whether or not there are people who aren't Native who are connecting with these studies and maybe, in fact, looking at the Bible differently because of how it's presented in a Native way? Have you heard anything like that? Yes, there's there's one man that comes to mind in particular. And uh, at first, I think he was looking for a girlfriend. Okay. But, <laughs> and he thought you might be the lady. Huh? He thought I might be the lady. He doesn't know I'm old enough to be his grandma, and I never okay. told him the difference. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> but he let me know after, like, the first two or three lessons that he was 100% French. Okay. And he just wanted to make sure I knew that. Okay. But, you know, he he continued, and he went through that whole series of lessons before he left jail. When uh-huh. he went to prison, he continued. He finished those and then signed up for a more in-depth study Uh of prophecy. Okay. He finished that, and then he went on to another general series. So he went through three series of Bible studies, Mm -hmm. and I believe he's going to be released uh, in the next couple of months. Wow. But he told me what a difference those made in his life. They just gave him peace and hope Uh and knew that there was something out there other than what just appeared to be that there really was a a God, a creator who cared for him personally. I mean, it's such an exciting story to me. And and many of my listeners know my own story that I was uh, an agnostic, didn't really know if there was a a God, a creator at at one point in my life. So these themes really connect with me as well and realizing 
that there is hope, that there is something more than just us here on this planet, and that there is a loving creator who wants to help us. Diana, you've been an inspiration. You're talking about something that anybody could do. Do you think there's probably other prisons and jails in the U.S. that have Native inmates? All over. I'd say everyone, every prisoner jail has at least one. <laughs> if you're wondering how to do something similar and you want to contact Diana, Diana, why don't you give your contact information once more? Okay, my email address is gmadidi at yahoo.com. Okay, so if you didn't catch that, GMA, like Good Morning America, D-I-D-I, like D-D, at yahoo.com. You can contact Diana if you want the materials. If you know of an inmate in jail who would like uh, the studies, let her know about that. If you want to know how you could do something similar in your own community, she would be most willing to help you. Diana, our time has slipped away. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. We've got to run, but we're not done with American Indian Living. We've got another great segment coming up, a medical segment that will help you to avoid the ravages of diabetes. Don't go away. A medical doctor will be joining us for the second half of today's edition of American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. So, you want to be a hero. Here are some ways to get the job. Hunt down that killer shark. Or run into a burning house to save a kitten. Luckily, there's an easier way to become a hero. Call 911 if you see someone experiencing the symptoms of stroke. Sudden weakness on one side or trouble speaking, walking, or seeing. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. You'll be a real hero. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. Can you guess what's going on here? It's kids getting fit. Studies show that children and teens who get at least 60 minutes of physical activity a day reduce the risk of obesity, heart disease, anxiety, and increase their overall mood. So whether it's around your neighborhood or at school, just get out and play. For your free booklet, visit WRInstitute.org or call toll-free 877-957-7575 and find us on Facebook and Twitter. The Will Rogers Institute since 1936. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live United. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute. Because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give, advocate, volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Diabetes affects more than 29 million Americans. If left untreated, diabetes can lead to serious health problems such as heart disease, stroke, blindness, and kidney disease. Your family's health history can be an important factor in determining your risk of developing diabetes. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you and your family. Do all you can to prevent or delay the onset of type 2 diabetes. Visit yourdiabetesinfo.org to learn more. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. 
Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to our second half of today's edition of American Indian Living. Across from me now is a guest who I had the privilege of interviewing earlier at NCAI, but I was so anxious for Dr. Rodrigo Rodriguez to come back and speak with us about an epidemic in Indian country and in the world that is diabetes and a related condition called the metabolic syndrome. Rodrigo, I'm so grateful that you were able to come back and join me. No, it's a privilege to, to be here, actually. Dr. Rodriguez, for those of you that don't know him, is a very popular individual here at NCAI. I see a lot of foot traffic going by his booth. Mine actually happens to be next to his. If some of you are wondering how I could be next to so many booths, I'm actually between two. One that deals with uh, Creation Health and American Indian Living Magazine, and the other is International BioCare Hospital. And Dr. Rodriguez is the medical director there. Rodrigo, the thing that has impressed me over the years learning about your facility is how you really focus as a team on trying to look at natural remedies, looking at biological therapies, not just pumping people full of a bunch of drugs and chemicals. That's always been your vision there, hasn't it? Yes, it has been my vision. And the, and the, and the main motive is actually a lot simpler to understand. This is not something like a sect or a belief or anything like that. I think it's pure science. Mm -hmm. Pure science tells me that we have a body that has learned how to live with its environment over thousands of years. Mm -hmm. There have been long, long years and centuries of us adapting to the environment that we live in. And uh, we ate what the earth provided us mm -hmm. or what we hunted. Mm -hmm. And that gave us an, an equilibrium. We were able to eat vegetables and almost on a daily basis that uh -huh. was fairly easy. Grains were a little bit more scarce. And hunting, unless you were very successful, you would only do it part-time. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we should be used to having good amount of vegetables, uh, a regular amount of uh, of grains and legumes, uh -huh. uh, because you have to wait for the harvest, right. and then uh, meats every now and then. And, and that's what should be, number one. Number two, we should be eating according to season. I mean, if you go to the old times, not only Indian country, but in Europe or wherever you want, uh, people ate whatever was in season. Mm -hmm. I mean, you couldn't have mangoes in Europe, uh, and uh, and you uh, even in Mexico, you would have to eat them at certain times of the year. Mm -hmm. And all that provided a regulation of how the body works. Now, let me tell you some point, because we're talking about metabolic uh, syndrome, something that's very important. Please. Through the years, through all these centuries of adaptation, our bodies knew we were going to eat during the day, light time. Okay. And at night, we would not eat. Mm -hmm. So the body is made in such a way that the body knows this. So at night, the body releases energy and carbohydrates and things into the blood to provide for the long night. Mm -hmm. What we do at night, we have a big dinner. So we're giving people that already has all the energy supply ready to go, you're giving it more energy, you're giving it more calories that the body is going to be overwhelmed with. And it happens to be, and this really made me very, very happy when I heard the news, that the Nobel Prize in Medicine for 1917, this is today. Oh, 2017. Yeah, for, uh -huh. I mean for 2017, 
has been given to the people that have connected the circadian rhythm, light and night, with disease and metabolic processes. So we were meant to have a good breakfast, good lunch, but a very light dinner, and we're doing the opposite. And that is bringing us an extra amount of calories that the body doesn't know how to handle, and what it does, it stores it. And we create fat, and we create carbohydrate problems, and then all those, all those sugars don't know where to go and circulate with protein, which in turn triggers inflammatory reaction. Mm -hmm. So all this goes hand in hand, and, and, and you don't have to go very far. You could just can sit in a bench in a park, or you can sit anywhere in, a, in an airport and see people going by, and you can see how many fat people were looking at. And, and that didn't happen. I, I was reviewing the other day uh, a video of the opening of a Dairy Queen place uh, back in 1950. Everybody's thin mm -hmm. at the Dairy Queen. Today, I mean, no matter where you go, you see people uh, overweight because we just eat too much and we eat in the wrong times. No, I mean, I so appreciate this emphasis. And some people want to make weight issues the domain of one race or another. But you've made the point eloquently, and so do the data that we have from uh, the Centers for Disease Control and others, that we have a, an epidemic of obesity and overweight in America, it is not a Caucasian problem, it's not an African-American problem, it's not a Native problem, it's everyone's problem. And so what you're telling us is profound because I know from sources I've uh, read about in Indian country, from oral traditions that, uh, that people have shared, in Indian country, it was not the custom to eat a big evening meal. And this is true in most indigenous populations, isn't it? It's absolutely, absolutely true. I mean, when you, you had a big breakfast, mm -hmm. because you had to get energy to function during the day, then you had a lunch, and then a small dinner. I mean, uh, breakfast like a king, uh, lunch like a prince, and dinner as a pauper. Uh -huh. uh, it is the old saying, because at night you don't need that, that many calories. I mean, right, you, can, right. you can have a cup of tea, you can have something simple, light, and go to bed. You're going to sleep better, you're going to sleep a lot. Resting sleep, and you're going to function a lot better the following day. But we're not doing it, and then we raise our body weight, we raise our inflammatory response, and then we start to develop high blood pressure, heart mm -hmm. disease. Those are the most common. Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. When I was in medical school, I never saw a case mm -hmm. physically. I never saw anybody with it. Mm -hmm. Today is the sixth cause of death in the United States. How come an unknown disease in 1950s is now a huge problem uh, 50 years later? Because, because of what we do. So what the CDC tells us is 40% of all these diseases are preventable. So what I want to people uh, do and what I, what I love to do about sharing this information with people over radio, like through your generosity, is to tell people, sit down with yourself. Hmm. And ref just reflect on all the things I'm saying and see, uh, I mean, how big you are, how well you function, how many pains and aches you have. Okay. And that's going to give you an idea whether you're in good shape or you're going in the wrong direction. I mean, at 50, 60, 70 years old, we all should be working in full working conditions. We might have a little bit of a problem, but not too much. But if we don't take care of ourselves, nobody will. And pills definitely are not the answer. So, Dr. Rodriguez, you've talked about some areas I know in Indian country 
that, that resonate. You're talking about getting back to the simple crops, getting back to plants. You mentioned uh, hunting. I've got a diverse listenership. Some of them say, yes, you know, wild game is, uh, is important to me. I'm going to continue doing that. I've had other people on the show that are saying, you know, we eat way too much in the way of animal products. We, we want to become vegetarians. Now, that, that brings up whole interesting dialogue with my native listeners because some of them are have become vegetarians and others say, you know, we could never do that as part of our tribal background. We don't have to go there on this show. We're talking about some of these other big major principles. Timing of meals, it is so huge, isn't it? You've been telling us about avoiding those evening meals. But what about exercise? That almost always comes into the dialogue. Just how important is that when we talk about the metabolic syndrome and diabetes? Physical activity is, is meant to be. We were born to move, to do things, to, to run, to etc. Uh, but we don't have to get sneakers on. I okay. always tell people, you don't have to get sneakers and jog or anything like that. Like, for example, with, uh, with the ladies, I always tell her, next time you go to, to a big store, uh, many of these stores that we have these days, mm-hmm. take your cart, go inside, and go around and around inside the store because it's flat, because it's lit, because it has good okay. climate, uh-huh. and nobody will notice that you have a walker with you, which is your cart, <laughs> uh-huh. and okay. then count steps. Any any smartphone today counts steps, and any person should be uh, at 6,000 steps or more a day. Okay, so if I'm tracking my steps... And it says, I walk 2,000 steps in a day. You're saying, although that 2,000 may sound like a lot to someone who's uninitiated, that's not doing too good. That's not doing too good. You're, you're going to have problems in the future. Okay. But if you do 6,000 6, and up a day, you're going to be in very good shape. You're going to feel good. You're, because that moves flood, the, the blood. That makes the blood flow. So you're, you're, you're smarter. You feel better. You're, you're focused. You're doing a lot of things to your body, and when you move the blood, you deliver more things to the tissues, and you pick up a lot of garbage that's going to be eliminated. If you don't move the blood, none of that is going to happen. So let's just step back for a moment. We've mentioned this condition, the metabolic syndrome. We're talking about how to deal with it by more proper meal timing, not eating late at night, by exercising. Just what is the metabolic syndrome, and how does it relate to diabetes? Okay, the metabolic syndrome, let's put it this way, is when your body doesn't know what to do. Hmm. We're doing many things that our bodies are not used to. Okay. Our bodies were not meant to function with refined carbohydrates, with white sugar and, and white flour. They were not meant to, to work with that because all carbohydrates naturally have a big amount of chromium. That's why carbohydrate substances always are brownish. I mean, hmm. wheat is brown. Sugar is brown, black molasses, uh, and all these products, honey is brown because it contains chromium. But we have this fascination for white food, so we strip the chromium out of, the subs- out of our sugars, and then we eat them. And our bodies don't know what to do with it. So what they do is they put it together with protein so it can circulate in the blood. And that creates a little bit of an antibody condition. So the body reacts with inflammatory response. Very small. But if you put it day in and day out, this is going to be a problem. So you're saying that the lack of chromium is causing our bodies to have difficulty dealing with the carbohydrates with the carbohydrates. I'm talking about specifically the carbohydrates okay. right now. Okay. So what, what we have to do again is, and this should resonate very well in Indian country, you have to 
talk to your elders, see what they did, how they ate, what times they ate. Mm -hmm. They would have uh, an early breakfast and they would hardly eat anything at night. And again, this is because your body already knows that it will not need any extra food at night. Right. Because the food you got during the day is going to be used. When you wake up, the feeling of you waking up is very different than late in the evening when you right, feel tired right. and sleepy. That's because of hormonal load. Uh -huh. As you sleep, you, you repair and you start creating hormones that start being released about 6 a.m., 5 a.m. So by the time you wake up, you're feeling very well. Mm -hmm. The opposite happens at night. Mm -hmm. So if you keep your, your timing for meals and the way you should eat, this is going to work very good for you. We are talking about some fascinating and practical topics with Dr. Rodrigo Rodriguez. He's got more to come in our final segment of American Indian Living. We're going to be talking more about how you can prevent diabetes, simple things that you can do that can make a difference for you personally and for your tribe. If you can't stay with us, Dr. Rodriguez is available through International BioCare Hospital. You can reach him on the Internet at biocarehospital.com or using the toll-free number 1-800-701-7345. That's 1-800-701-7345. We'll be back with more from Dr. Rodriguez on our final segment of American Indian Living. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call one 800 775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we provide more than $150 billion each year in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about money for college at studentaid.gov. Diabetes is a serious disease that runs in families. If your parents or siblings have type 2 diabetes, you have a greater chance of getting the disease. If you're African American, Hispanic, or Latino, American Indian, Alaska Native, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, or Pacific Islander, you also have a higher chance of developing the disease. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you understand your risk. Visit the NDEP website at yourdiabetesinfo.org for diabetes prevention tools, including the Family Health History Quiz. It started off as a normal day. I felt fine when I arrived at the plant. Ruth Junius's life was about to change. Then I dropped my keys. They kept slipping out of my hand. My arm felt numb. A co-worker asked me if I was okay, and I couldn't speak. I started to get scared. Ruth was having a stroke. People around her weren't sure what to do. They thought I should go home or lie down, but I knew something was very wrong. I wrote 911 on a piece of paper with my other hand, and someone called for me. Because everyone acted quickly, doctors at the hospital were able to give Ruth treatment that started to reverse the symptoms. Within a few minutes, I was talking again. I didn't know a thing about stroke before I had one. Now I make sure that my friends and family know all the signs of stroke so they'll get help fast if they need it. No stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. Call 1-800-352-9424 for more information. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health. 
You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You're back with Dr. David DeRose in the Exhibit Hall in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. If you've been hearing some interesting sound effects, we're actually fairly late in the uh, National Congress of American Indian Living events here in this venue. And so you may hear people taping boxes or uh, breaking down equipment or squeaking carts going by. But uh, we're definitely here in the mode of dialoguing and learning as much as we can from some of the experts that are here. Right in front of me, Dr. Rodrigo Rodriguez, the Medical Director of International BioCare Hospital. Dr. Rodriguez, I had the privilege of visiting your facility a few years ago, and I was very impressed with, with what you're doing down there. Share with uh, our listeners just a little bit before we come back to our subject on diabetes and diabetes prevention. If someone did have a problem with really severe diabetes, having trouble controlling it, could you help them down there? Absolutely. That's that's what we do. And what we do is we have we have people coming into the hospital, uh, and you have seen our hospital is not like a regular hospital. Right. It's a much more pleasant environment because we feel. You should be able to watch TV or do your internet. Many people work nowadays with internet. They could work uh, uh, all the time they're there. But we're watching your food. We're watching what you eat. We, we, we follow. Uh, we monitor the type of response you have to each and every food. Mm-hmm. So we can uh, predict your diet. So we can know in advance what you should be eating and let you know what it is because it's going to be making your life a lot easier. Mm -hmm. And all that is going to control inflammation. All that is going to control your sugar levels. It's going to lower your blood pressure. And people come come out of, uh, let's say, a two-week stay in the hospital, they, they live always fascinated because they could not believe how much progress they can do in such a short period of time. So you've been sharing with us some of the principles you use. You help them get away from that big evening meal. You give them plenty to eat during the day. You're focused more on those indigenous foods, the simple plants, maybe some wild game, for example. But uh, you also help them to exercise, get on a regular exercise program. I've noticed, too, that one of the things that seems to be very important uh, in your program is dietary fiber. Can you tell us about why that's so important in these discussions? Well, it's uh, it's very important because that's one of the reasons why we're having so much problem controlling our cravings. Hmm. We have all these cravings for food all the time because the energy supply of the body is not met. So when you have, let's say, a sugar bar, the uh, sugar level in your blood is going to go way up. There's going to be an insulin response. It's going to go way down. And you're going to feel like eating very short uh, time afterwards. And that's repeated over and over again. And people are always hungry, always looking for food. When you eat right and, let's say, fiber, uh, fiber is like putting a turbo system in your body. Mm-hmm. Because uh, some of the things that the bacteria, the bacteria in the gut are going to do, your intestinal flora is going to do with this fiber, is turning into short-chain fatty acids. Those fatty acids will provide a lot of energy, but in a very steady, constant way. Mm. So they're not going to to, to produce a spike of sugar, but they're going to produce an energy supply all the time. And these essential fatty acids do not trigger the release of insulin. 
Okay. So they're going to keep you satisfied. You're going to function well. You're going to be able to avoid cravings. And at the same time, you're going to be energetic and feeling good. So that, in turn, is going to keep you further away from diabetes. And one of those essential fatty acids, the, the propionate, makes insulin a lot more efficient. Hmm. So whatever you eat anyway, the amount of insulin you're going to need is going to be much less. Okay. Butyrate can trigger a very good uh, immune response and can turn cancer cells into normal cells, can bring them back to normal function. Huh. So by eating fiber, you're doing yourself a big service that goes far, far more than just thinking I'm having bulk in, uh, in, in my food. I'm going to feel better because I'm fuller. No, you're going to feel better because you have a very important metabolic substance in your, in your, in your body. We're leaving fiber completely out of our diets. So that's what, that's what the average person's doing. That's what, you're, yeah. If you go to a restaurant, the grains are just going to be a side thing, so it looks nice. Mm -hmm. You see, and when we eat, uh, what we think is a vegetable, it's lettuce, but lettuce almost has no fiber. Okay. So if you do uh, spinach or if you do apples, uh, three apples a day provide enough fiber for 24 hours. So all those things, uh, and it's just natural wisdom. Mm -hmm. When you talk to old people and they tell you what to eat and how to eat, there's a lot of wisdom in all of that. But now we know that it makes a lot of sense and there's a lot of biochemical uh, physiological uh, backup to all those statements. So let's see if I've got this, because we're talking about some technical things that I want to make sure we're all tracking, with myself included. When we eat fiber, the conventional wisdom, even that I was trained with as a medical student, is the calories in the fiber are not going into your body, but the fiber is being broken down in the gut, especially in the large intestine, and it's making these compounds, you mentioned, pro propionate and butyrate. So these are uh, breakdown products of fiber, if you will, right? Correct. Now, in my training, I remember hearing about how important these were as far as nourishing the cells in the colon. Mm -hmm. But are you saying these compounds also do get absorbed some into the system, or is it more through their relationship with the gut that they have an influence? Some of them go into your system and okay. release energy. They produce probably 15 20% of your energy supply for the day. But you're absolutely correct. They're going to feed the colon, uh -huh. first and foremost, and that's going to keep your colon healthy. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a healthy colon, it's going to have integrity problems. And okay. once you develop integrity problems, then is when people eat and get bloated, people eat mm -hmm. and get gases, mm -hmm. people eat and have all sorts of pains and aches, because you're actually introducing bad molecules into the bloodstream because you have lost the integrity of the colon. And you lost it because you're not feeding your colonic cells because you're not eating fiber. Well, what's so interesting about this whole dialogue is in the old days, they used to tell people who had intestinal problems to avoid fiber. And what you're saying really is that's backwards. They need good fiber to get that bowel healthy again. Yeah, if you have, if you have an acute problem, Mm -hmm. A real acute problem uh, with uh, we avoid fiber for some time just to give the colon a rest mm -hmm. so it can relax and feel better. And actually, at the hospital, what we do is we stop food altogether and we use intravenous feeding for oh, two okay. three days. Okay. And then when all the swelling and everything goes, then we restart food and the results are fantastic. Mm. But uh, antibiotics and all those things are going to make things worse. Okay. 
So a lot of the things that uh, many people would say, well, hey, this is uh, what medical doctors have been doing for many years, are, well, they may help with some acute problems, but really when we look at these chronic diseases like high blood pressure, like diabetes, uh, obesity, we've really been feeding the problem with our, our poor lifestyle choices, haven't we? That's uh, yeah, we, we create those problems. We pay our money uh, to get those problems because simply because we do not pay any attention. And I don't want to blame people. It's In many ways, it's our, our fault. Doctors do not have that much training on nutrition. I always tell people, if you have a baby, talk to your grandmother before you talk to the pediatrician. And you're going to get a very good idea of what to do. Because there's a lot of wisdom out there. It's just that we have lost contact with it. So there's a lot of wisdom in our elders. And like you're saying, uh, you know, reconnect with those people because those traditional things in Indian country and in other indigenous uh, groups, they really had some wisdom about how to care for their bodies, didn't they? Absolutely. I mean, uh, look at how many centuries uh, our people have lived healthy and, and, and fightful and running and doing a lot of things. And it's not until recently when we have encountered this metabolic syndrome and diabetes and all these things, because instead of continue doing all the healthy things we used to do, which is living with nature, we're now getting foods in a pack, in a can, mm. and we're getting food from a factory. And food should not come from, from that origin. No, I mean, that is such a great point. Well, Dr. Rodriguez, I know if we had more time in this segment, you could tell us about other tremendous things that happen when we reconnect with those natural foods. But our time has just about slipped away. I know, though, that your program is helping people because I've met them here at NCAI people with diabetes, people with high blood pressure, people with autoimmune diseases and cancer. Give us just a little bit more information about how someone can get a hold of you and your team at International BioCare. Okay, our website is uh, biocarehospital.com, but also you can send me a personal email at okay. doctor at biocarehospital.com. That goes straight to me. You don't have to pay anything. You don't have to do anything. But if you have a medical question, I'll be very happy to, to help you uh, with, a, with a good answer, which I, mean, what I hope is a good answer. I mean, this is a great opportunity. So do I understand this right? If someone was listening today and they said, my questions about diabetes were not answered, they can just go to doctor at biocarehospital.com and you will personally answer their question? I will personally answer that. I, I do that all the time. I love people asking questions because that's the first step. People have a question in their heads or, or have a doubt. They need somebody, a professional they can go to without having to ask for an appointment or wow. waste a lot of time. Tremendous. We've got to run. Dr. Rodrigo Rodriguez, Medical Director of International BioCare Hospital. For all of us at American Indian Living, hopefully today this show has made a difference in your life. And as always, I'm Dr. David DeRose wishing you the very best of health. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.